Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So today my guest is Meg Hofdahl, and we're doing something new this season, which means uh, the interviews are separate from the story, which is a little different than the way we used to do it. But I kind of like that because uh, most people probably don't know this. Well, I think we might have mentioned it in a couple of interviews, but usually the authors don't get to hear the story before we talk. So it's kind of like, I know what I wrote, but I don't know what you actually did with it. Um, And that's going to be a little different today. So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to actually be able to now I can talk about the experience of listening to it. So I think this is a great plan. Yeah. And you know, it's it it makes the shows a little more consumable in, in a single sitting, I think. And there are a lot of people that mm-hmm. do really do enjoy the interview. So it'll be part of the same feed, but it won't kind of be like slapped right against the the story. So uh, it gives a little bit of breathing room. Maybe people have some time to digest it. Hopefully they don't listen to this before the story though. So if you are listening to this before you've heard episode 901, you need to stop and go back and listen to the story first, right? Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's right. Big spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, so, so we'll ease into that so that if, if anybody's still listening, they have some time to to press stop. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other stuff before we, we talk about the story itself and, and what you've had going on lately. I know you're, you're very active and you're always writing. So what's, what's new, what's been out since last time we talked and what are you working on? Yeah. Um, well, I have a book coming out um, later this month on the 30th. Um, it's called Daughters of Darkness, and it's the sequel to my first novel called Her Dark Inheritance. So that's been um, kind of a, a cool and challenging experience to write a sequel. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for that. And then I also um, have a nonfiction book coming out later this year, which is that's been a really neat experience. I co-authored it uh, with my best friend, actually. Oh. And it's my sort of opportunity to work with the biggest publisher I've worked with so far. So that's been um, kind of a, a crazy experience to sort of flip sort of my fiction um, sensibilities into a nonfiction book. And it's a, basically a, a horror movie history slash science book. 
So that's kind of um, been sort of a challenge. I kind of feel like I'm back at school doing research. <laughs> um, so, but it's been really fun, and um, so those are kind of my two big projects. Um, and you know, yeah, I'm 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 just writing away, and um, I mean, to me, writing is the best job in the world. So I'm just I feel very blessed that I get to do it every day. Yeah. Well, we have fortuitous timing. I didn't know you had something coming out. So, so good timing. Yeah. Everybody go out and buy Meg's book because as this mm -hmm. airs, it'll be what? Uh, you said the 30th. So it's only a couple weeks yeah. away. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's exciting. And so tell me a little bit about the, the nonfiction book. You said it's, it's a history of horror and science. Yeah, so um, they kind of approached us. Uh, my friend and I host a um, a podcast called Horror Rewind, and kind of the the whole concept of the the podcast is we go back to the horror movies that we loved to watch when we were kids, and we kind of decide if they're actually as good as we remember them. So we rewatch them as adults and and sort of have a conversation about them. And so the book is really about, it's called The Science of Monsters, and it's, it's basically taking um, older horror movies. We also have some new ones. We talk about Get Out and some of the new movies, but a lot of them are, are the ones from the 80s and 90s. And we, we actually go into sort of the science behind some of, um, like, inspiration. For instance, you know, I did a lot of research on um, Ed Gein for um, talking about Norman Bates and Leatherface and all those things. So it's been really fun because it's all stuff I'm interested in, but I have to admit science is not my, like, you know, first subject. So when when it was initially brought to me, I was like, um, science scares me, but it's actually been kind of fun to challenge myself and, and learn some things. And we got to interview some some scientists who really know their stuff. So it's it's been a really cool experience. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a combination of, of all your interests. You, you you get to take yeah. what you do with the podcast and look at uh, uh -huh. you know your your fascination, your own personal fascination with horror and speculative fiction, and and kind of mix all yeah. that together. Well, that's that's really yeah. cool. So they came to you guys, huh? Yeah, we actually pitched them another book, and and they were like, um, no, how about this? And we were like, sure, great, yeah. So they, it was, it was kind of, it was a great sort of fortuitous thing, and um, it's been really fun working with my friend. You know, it, yeah. it, you never know what it's going to be like, kind of taking taking that transition into writing with someone else. But it's actually been a really great experience. So it's been fun because writing is such a solo yes i don't want to say lonely but it can it's you know you kind of just do it on your own so it's been kind of fun to do it with somebody else yeah it's totally different when it's collaborative i mean i've i've had the, yeah. the pleasure of, of doing a lot of that with the lift and you know working closely with cindy when when we built the universe and you know started to create the characters and everything um and, and of course working with all of you as the authors you know, to, to, to trust you with my baby and say okay here's victoria mm -hmm. here's the world here's how everything works have at it yeah um, yeah, it's kind of, it takes some bravery, I think, <laughs> to kind of say it like, yeah, exactly, because it is your babies. That's <laughs> so, right. So thank you. Thank you on behalf of all of us authors. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, it's it's been great. I mean, and I think it's why she's she's become so realized and so three-dimensional is because mm -hmm. so many people have, I mean, it's just like us. We all have different aspects of ourselves and different parts yeah. of our personality that come out with different people and in different situations. And by having so many authors work with her i mean obviously she's gonna be a lot different than she would if it was just my sole character where i'm putting everything into it so yeah it's, it's that's a really a cool way to look at it i like how that i like that yeah yeah 
Um, so, so today's story or not today, I guess I'm so used to saying today because we do the interviews, <laughs> but anyway, the story from last week, um, which was actually from our anthology, the first anthology we put out for the lift. And it, it was, to me, it was, it was one of the, the darker stories in it. It was a great story. It had a lot of psychology in it and a lot of depth to it. And I felt what better way to help promote the book and also kick off a new season um, and, and kind of merge the worlds, which we've done a lot of, you know, we've, we do a lot of crossovers between the lift and the wicked library and the private collector. So those, those universes kind of commingle and intermingle all the time. Uh, but I thought it would be fun to, to take this and adapt it. So, so one thing I should probably start off by saying is the version that we put out was something that, that I kind of worked on with you. Whereas the, mm -hmm. the story that's in the book, people can totally get a different experience by picking up the book, going in and reading that story, because I think it's, it's true enough that what we've done for the audio is true enough to the story that you kind of get the feel for it. But at the same time, reading is, is a totally different experience than, than an audio production. And I took that and adapted it for audio so that we could really enhance the, the play type version of it. Um, and, and really take advantage of the fact that we have such a great voice actress and Jessica McAvoy to take it and, and bring that story to life. So, um, maybe you t tell me what you thought in, in listening oh to it, gosh. knowing that you it's, wrote it, you know? Yes. It's so, first of all, like, I think from now on when I write, I'm just going to have Jessica's voice in my head all the time. <laughs> Cause I think she's just the voice, the voice of my words now. So um, we use her quite a bit for your stuff. Incredible. It's, it's yes, such a good marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, I think, you know, her voice just works with, with the way I write. And um, it's so surreal and cool to hear my words. I have to admit, like, the first, like, five minutes, whenever I, I start listening, it's almost like that. And it, it, it's that feeling of, like, oh, my gosh, this is something I wrote. And you almost, like, get, like, flushed in your cheeks, like, oh, my gosh. And then I, like, let go and I actually just... I allow myself to really just listen to the beautiful score and the voice acting that's just amazing. And it's so awesome to hear my words back in, in such a well-produced and wonderful way. And it, it just feels like, I don't know what I did to deserve it. It's just so cool. It's <laughs> such a treat. Like, I just, I feel so lucky. So, and yeah, like you were saying, it is a different experience. You know, I think sitting down and, and, and reading a book, um, and, and so I think people will get a lot out of, you know, sitting and reading all the stories in the Lyft anthology, including mine, but but listening to it and, and having that sort of theatrical bent of it. It's so cool. And I, I think the thing that struck me the most, I was telling my husband, is the doll in the book, in, in the story, is my actual doll that I grew up with. Like, I described oh. her exactly. So hearing Jessica talk about my doll, <laughs> it was very cool. It's like, wow, it's so neat to have it, you know, to ha to hear about Donna like that was just so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great story. I mean, uh, so so one of the things I, I notice in your work a lot of times is, uh, and I don't know whether it's intentional or whether it's subconscious, but there's a lot of references to Stephen King stuff in your work, and I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. So the yeah. title of the story is The Baron, um, which uh -huh. which is great because it, it's it's once you get into the middle of the story, you really understand. Okay, this is what who the Baron is, but there's mm -hmm. there's there's other levels to it. You know, um, I think. You know, first of all, there's that kind of reference to the barons, which is a big part mm -hmm. of, of uh, you know, Stephen's work. And yeah. um, 
the fact that barren has different meanings. It's, it doesn't just apply to the fact that she is barren. Uh, it's kind mm-hmm. of this, this situation that she's in and, and where she is mentally and emotionally. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, there's this big push lately about writing strong women and kick-ass women and, and all that. And I'm just, I come from this like belief that it's more important to me as a, as a female horror author to write about real women and complicated women and women on their weekdays mm-hmm. um, because I think it's more interesting to sort of see, you know, there's this kind of idea, and it's true, a horror story really, you're looking at your characters on their worst day. Oftentimes it's their worst day of their life. Yeah. And I, I, I think that um, for Savannah in this story, She's going through something that many women go through. And, of course, she goes too far. She, she definitely has a sort of mental break. Uh, but I find that interesting, and I like taking this character who's having the, the weakest moment probably of her existence and letting her sort of learn from it and get stronger. I find that more interesting than, you know, having a character who's just like kick ass and strong and like I, I can do anything and I think I think for me I just relate more to characters like Savannah. Even though she, you know, takes it a little too far, um, I I think she's more realistic that way. I, I think she's going through something that many women go through and, and yes, um the Baron definitely I, I love Mr. Stephen King. I love him, and and um, I, I'll always have little references to his stuff. I'm it's cool. a big fan of what he does, and um, you know, I I respect sort of he does the same kind of things where he has these characters that you know sometimes you think maybe you you can't you can't be a fan of them, but then you see them change and grow, and and so I've learned learned a lot from reading him and and other writers. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a she's a great character. Um, she, as you said, she goes kind of in a. I remember reading the story for the first time whenever it was submitted when we were working on the mm-hmm. anthology, and just being stunned as I'm reading it. And I'm going, "Oh my <laughs> god, where's she going? She she's actually going there." Um, not you, <laughs> the character, because I think we yeah. all have those dark thoughts. You know, I mean, everybody has mm-hmm. momentary like you you someone wrongs you or pushes into you or bumps in whatever happens mm-hmm. and you have that dark moment where you're like i just want to strangle this person but you don't actually yep. do it and, and right. she's actually starting <laughs> to go through the process of like okay i'm gonna go buy a saw now uh, because i need that yeah and and, and like yeah. laying out what she has to do in order to make this happen and you can tell that there's there's this uh, i don't I, a temporary insanity maybe we could call it mm-hmm. where she's just I, yeah. considering that this is going to be her child, even though it's, it's obviously not. I mean, and I think that's, that's the cool thing about horror is that, you know, we can sit here rationally and slightly identify with the direction that she's taking, but also go, this is horrifying. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted there to be empathy for her, but then to also be like horrified, like, yeah. because the truth is there are, I mean, there are women who have gone and done what she was thinking about doing, which is yeah. absolutely horrible and, and indefensible. But then there are also women who struggle every day with the problem that she's having. And so it's hard to really see how anybody could get to that point. But I definitely wanted to sort of get to know her and sort of play with 
could somebody get to that point and we still have empathy for her? So I think, I think, you know, I wanted to walk that line carefully. And, you know, of course, ultimately she realizes that's not what to do and Victoria helps her with that. But, um, it, it was definitely fun, and you know, I've t I've talked before that I'm a pantser, so I didn't know what she was gonna do. But you know, I I, I think ultimately I she made the right decision, and and it and it went well. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And uh, if I don't know if you remember, I think you your story was the first one that we actually got a, an illustration for because the the anthology mm -hmm. we had uh, Jeanette do illustrations, kind of for every story, and they're simple black and white line drawing type of, of illustrations, which is, I wanted to kind of go back to that, you know, the classic line art type of thing, because I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of power in, in simplicity. And uh, this, when I saw her, her illustration for your story, I was like, okay, this is the direction we're taking for the book. This is going to be perfect. And, and it's one of the creepiest, mm -hmm. most disturbing <laughs> images I've ever seen with the, the little baby doll. And it's not a Cabbage Patch doll, but, you know, we give her a little bit of artistic freedom with the, right, the illustrations. Right. It's button eyes yes. and, uh, and, yes. and the little girl's just sitting there holding the saw. And I'm like, yeah, it's so creepy, but so perfect. Oh, it's great. It's great. I actually I I I've been thinking I'm like, you know, I think that would make a cool tattoo. I'm oh, like, wow. that could be really cool. I mean, I can remember that story forever on my leg or something. Because <laughs> I've, I've looked at that picture and I'm like, that is just too cool. I, I love it. I mean, yeah, I, I was just blown away. It's so cool. Like, I, I feel so lucky to be in this position where I get to, you know, see people at the top of their game. Like, I can't draw a circle. Like, I, I've never been able to draw. So being able to see somebody take my words and, and turn it into just a, a stunning picture like that, and also somebody who has, you know, the talent for voice acting and to see them, you know, use their talents um, in collaboration. It's just so cool. It's such a neat experience. That's why I love the, what you guys do because it's just a whole bunch of artists who believe really in in art and expression all working together and it's so neat yeah it, it's the fun part you know it's it's all these different elements that come together you have you know the, the world the story that's created by the writers and then you know we, we bring nico in to do the, the music for us and mm -hmm. you know the voice actors to come in and do the, the voice work and uh you know obviously for the illustrations we work with a couple of different artists but you know for uh, to tie an image to to a story like this is, uh, is, is I think is really cool because you have mm -hmm. you know this idea in your mind and it's it's so hard I think sometimes to as a as an as a writer to to know like what the right image is or what the right music is but you know the, right. the cool thing is working with all these people that are like oh I know you know exactly it, it's the same experience that you have as a writer when you're writing and you're like okay I know what this character needs to do mm -hmm. and I've always been impressed by giving these artists very little information and just having them come back with something amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just, just doing what they do best. You know, I don't have talent in any of those other things. So it's, it's just so <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's so neat. Yes. Um, and, and I got to tell you one, I think we, uh, whenever I was listening to Jessica's narration and I was going through and I was starting to do the editing uh, uh -huh. last month, I, I pulled out one of the sections and I sent it to you because when I read Mackenzie, I hated that character. Yeah, and Jessica just captured it so perfectly. I was like, you know what? I got to send this to you because this is this oh, is Mackenzie, and I think it's awesome. So yes, yes, I think we all know. I think we've all met 
Mackenzie in yes. our life. We, I mean, we all know a Mackenzie. You know, yes, exactly. So yeah, and, and Jessica just did a great job of just making her extra annoying. So that was great. <laughs> and that's the cool thing is like in a story like this, you need you need a character that you you know it's wrong, but you you don't like them, and and it's almost like there's right. this part of you that's like. I'm almost kind of okay if something bad happens to this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like deep down we know that what Savannah's thinking is like truly horrible and indefensible, like I said, but but I, it was important that Mackenzie, yeah, be sort of a, a, I hate to say trash person, but, you know, just somebody that, you know, in a, in a, in another sort of horror story, maybe if she wasn't pregnant, we, we would be okay with her, like, getting the monster, you know, attacking her or something like that. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 important that we write characters that people dislike whenever we're in a situation right. like this because if if it's somebody <laughs> yes. it makes it even worse. Right. Um, so, so what was your favorite uh, what was your favorite part of writing the story? Was there something when because I know you're a pantser and I am as well. So, whenever you mm-hmm. were when you got to the middle or to the end or or was there something that surprised you that that you really identified with or really enjoyed about the story? You know, when I got to the part where, I think at the end where, um, you know, she she realizes that being a mother is more than just carrying a baby in her stomach and that, and, and she goes through this sort of horrific ordeal, um, which was fun to write, but then when she comes out of it and at the end she kind of sees she has this little ray of hope after all this darkness she's been through and you know maybe maybe there is another way to be a mother and I and I like you know it's it's like there's so much darkness and I love writing horror I love writing the scary stuff but there was something I think about the story I was kind of like in this dark place writing it so having that kind of hope at the end I think kind of helped me like feel better and, and feel better for Savannah and just feel that little glint of hope. It's nice to put some lightness there at the end and have a rainbow at the end. Yeah. And it's, it's, I can identify with that. It's something that I don't think, um, well, maybe, but I I don't think many readers understand like how difficult it is to go to that dark place whenever you're writing somebody that Mm -hmm. is that dark or is in that dark of a mood or in that dark of a situation. Um, when you're writing characters that are that ha- are struggling with their sanity and characters that are mm-hmm. struggling with morality, it's you have to kind of dive deep into that. You have to encompass that. You have to become that character, and uh, it, it's tough sometimes to come back from that. And having that that ray of hope at the end, you know, like you mentioned, is is uh, is great. Uh, you know, it, sometimes you get a story where it there is no happy ending, and that's just because that's where the story needs to go. Um, and I think that's even tougher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I've and I and I I really like the short story form because I think that un- unlike a novel, it allows you to sort of play with that, where you can have a really bleak ending, or you mm-hmm. can have characters that are even less likable than normal. Because I think in a novel, when you're asking somebody to go that long with you, it's it's harder. To ha- I think to have a bleaker ending, I yeah. think it's a little. You know, so that's something I really like about short stories is that there's, I feel like there's more room to sort of play. But yeah, like for me, I describe writing someone like Savannah, it, I, I always say it's kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of going in this deep, dark basement. And for me, like, I, I've i got two little boys, and so when I know they're going to come home uh, off the bus and, you know, 
and it's it's time to be mom again. I, I actually take a break between writing and knowing they're coming home because I if they come home when I'm still in Savannah mode, I'm gonna be grumpy and like feel <laughs> weird, you know. Right. So I gotta have to I gotta like stop and have a coffee and like get back into the real world because I think when you, for me and I think most writers, when you kind of go in that deep dark basement, it's it's hard to surface again. So um yeah, it's 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 a mental gymnastics that you're going through. So right. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening that has not listened to the lift, because I know we're probably we're talking to some folks that are just wicked library listeners that haven't listened to the lift. The, the concept behind the lift is there's a building that is kind of a bridge between different realities and different things. And, we, and people are kind of called there when they have a choice to make. There, there's some sort of moral dilemma in each floor in the building. There are nine stories. Uh, play on words stories. Um, so <laughs> each each story kind of has a different morality, different, uh, I guess, vice. Uh, so it's kind of like a Dante's Inferno type of thing where there's there's different levels for different things. And this story was taking place on the second story, which is cruelty, anger, and hate. So, uh, you know, we, we create these situations that these characters go through based upon what floor they're they're going to and victoria is kind of the guide of the building and she tries to help them make the right choice or there is a basement in the building and for the people that maybe don't deserve to make a choice that's where they end up so um but in most of these cases you know it's it's a a satisfaction type of thing where you know either somebody gets their comeuppance which they truly deserve or someone mm -hmm. goes through a dark transition and comes out the other side, a better person. Uh, so there's always the ray of hope to that. And it's, it's interesting to me because when we created it, we worked with so many horror writers that had written for the wicked library. In fact, everybody who's written for the lift has with rare exception also written for the wicked library. So, uh, I kind of expected a lot more dark <laughs> stories from these folks. And I was surprised, especially in the first season, like how many hopeful endings there were. And I was like, yeah, so I guess that's a good <laughs> thing. You know, I think we all as people mm -hmm. want things to work out. And for me, whenever I came to horror later in life, it, to me, it was very interesting because it, it almost horror stories, if they're well-written to me, they're very similar to fairy tales. They have, um, they have a lesson to teach you. There's something to it. Yeah. There's there's a transition that you go through. You know, you're going through the dark place and hopefully you come out the other side and things are better. Um, and mm -hmm. we really challenge our characters. Like you said, they're, you're meeting them on their darkest day and in their darkest situation. And how do they react? You know, th I think that's the interesting thing is like, how do they come out of it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's what makes the story interesting. And, you know, I think, the difference between good horror and bad horror is, you know, bad horror is people are focused more on, you know, the blood and the guts. And I love yeah. blood and guts, don't get me <laughs> wrong. But um, but I think, I think you know, focusing on your character and, and what, what they're going to get out of this situation and why they're in this situation, you know, why specifically them and why do they need to go through this and why, why do we care? I mean, when I watch a horror movie or read, read a horror book, if I don't care if the character gets, you know, like, if all the characters are Mackenzie's, um, I, I want their heads to get bitten off by the werewolf, you know? So um, we have to have, we've got to have those characters we care about and that are real, you know? It's important. Absolutely. 
So one of the things that you're working on that I know of is uh, I, I kind of teased this at the beginning of, of the episode, uh, episode 901, the first uh, year story, uh, that we are working on an anthology for the Wicked Library. Uh, we had such fun doing the one for the lift. Uh, I felt we should do one for the Wicked Library as well. And uh, so we're going to do 13 stories, 13 authors, because, you know, 13, why not, right? Um, <laughs> and and you are one of the uh, the authors that has been invited and has accepted to write a story for the anthology. And we are using a common theme. So every every story is going to be in some way tied to a library or a place of knowledge or something. I, I felt it was kind of fun to, you know, have everything take place or be tied in some way to something that would be akin to a library, at least for the first one that we put out uh, with the, the caveat that none of them are going to, except for maybe one story uh, is going to actually take place in the wicked library itself. Um, right. So I don't want yes. you to reveal, you know, obviously what you're working <laughs> on. Um, but, but I am curious, uh, you know, has, <laughs> has there been some inspiration? Is there something that, uh, that has spoken to you that um, you, you've begun to kind of toy with? Yeah, yeah, I've definitely, I've started work on my story, um, and thank you for inviting me, I'm very excited, oh, I, I love, I love writing for the Wicked Library, and um, it's, I, what I will say is that I decided that the story is going to take place um, in a different time, because I think libraries, when I was growing up, um, sort of are different than libraries now, oh, yeah. and sort of the reason we go to them. Um, and you know, now that Google exists and everything, <laughs> so I decided, I decided to, my story is going to take place pre Google. Um, awesome. so, you know, that, that will kind of sort of play into why the character's there, what she's, what she's doing at this, this library. And, and, um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, it's been fun. I've, I literally decided to make the story in the summer because, I'm so tired of the snow and the blizzards <laughs> here in Minnesota. So I'm I'm writing about like people sweating and it being sunny outside, just just as a distraction for myself. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I, th I thought that this would be something fun for for all the writers because I think most of us mm -hmm. love books and love the library. Um, yes. And and most of us that you know that have been invited to this story can remember pre Google. Um, it yeah. kind of remember. <laughs> You know how, what the what libraries were like, um, and, and you know it, it, it's interesting because everything's so immediate now. It's like instant gratification, mm -hmm. instant information, and there was like some work that went into things at one point in time. Not that you don't work today to research and everything, yeah, but it's so much easier. But, yeah. You know, it's oh yeah. Yeah, kids these days, they don't know. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel old? I feel so old yes, now. Because, yeah, I mean, I remember yeah. my grandparents and my parents talking about, you know, back in our day. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, old man. And now I'm the mm -hmm. old man. Like, now I'm saying it all the that's time. Right. <laughs> back in the old days, we used to have to pick up actual books and dig and look that's for them. We had right. to look for cards, and sometimes <laughs> things weren't in the right place. That's right, card catalogs. Like, they have no idea. I mean, no. Sometimes no people clue. drew mustaches on the ladies in the books, and we didn't like it. That's right. It's funny stuff. So, um, yeah, I guess we can wrap up maybe by talking about, uh, again, your, your podcast and kind of uh, some of the things that you have going on and, and what we can mm -hmm. expect 
you know, aside from the upcoming anthology and that sort of thing? Yeah. So, um, so promote yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So horror rewind. Um, my, my friend Kelly produces it and, um, I, she does all the hard work. I just show up and, um, you know, laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> and uh, we just, we basically, it's just two women talking about horror movies. You know, we try to look at them from sort of a, a feminist perspective now that we're, you know, grown up and, and we have a little bit better idea about those things. And so it's been really fun. We, we do, I mean, just any sort of horror movie. I think we just did The Changeling and we did The Faculty and we've been doing all sorts of um, ones. So if you, if people listening are horror movie fans, they'd probably like that podcast. And then um, my book, Daughters of Darkness, it's a sequel. I've been getting good good feedback from it. I was a little nervous doing a sequel to my first novel because that had good feedback. And so you kind of feel like, oh, no, um, you know, I, I have something to live up to. And But so far that's been, been going well. And so that comes out March 30th. And then I'm going to be, um, you know, going around promoting Science of Monsters when it comes out in October. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and everybody can, you know, follow me. I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Just look Meg Hoftall, my author name. I'm easy to find, so. Awesome. Yeah. So, I, I while we were talking here, I took a little peek at uh, the Horror Rewind website, horrorrewind.libsyn.com. Uh -huh. And you uh -huh. did, you recently did you, is that right? Oh, yes, we do. We do. We call them um, fast forwards where we talk about newer things. Um, we'll, we'll do an episode about, you know, um, new things in the media and stuff like that. So, yeah, we did discuss that TV show. Yeah. I got to I got to ask you about you. I, mean, I don't want to I don't want to yes. I don't want to ruin your I don't want to ruin your, no, your no, episode no. Yeah, no, because I haven't listened to it yet. And I encourage everybody uh -huh. to listen to it. But I, what did you think of you? As a woman. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they definitely, you know, obviously on paper, Joe is a horrible person. <laughs> right? Um, you know, like if you if you told me he does this, this, and this, I'd be like, oh, my God. You know, I compare it kind of to Dexter a little bit yeah. where it's like on paper he's horrible, but somehow why am I, why am I compelled to watch this person? I mean, and the end, I mean, he... he Spoiler alert. Skip ahead 30 seconds to avoid spoilers. Three, two, one. Spoiler. He kills the, the woman and it's not okay. So it's not okay. It really, yeah, it really brings you on this sort of, yeah. whoa, I don't know, it's, it's, it, it it's a head game. It, it definitely is. is. I mean, there there have been women who are like, I'm so in love with him and stuff, and it's like, no, don't you can't be in love with him. But at the same time, he's this compelling character he where is. you actually at points you're actually like worried he's going to get caught, and then you're like, wait, why am I worried he's going to get caught? He's a terrible person. So yeah. it's it, it it's fun to watch and sort of discuss from that angle. Like it's it, it, what do you what did you think? You know, I was I was. It's it's quite a struggle because I was I was kind of on board with him. I have to admit, almost to like midway through the through the series, mm -hmm. you know. And they were like, I was like making excuses for him. I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I, I I get okay, yeah, you know, this isn't right, but but he has the he has her best interest in mind, right? Right. And, and right. like we talked about Mackenzie, we have a Mackenzie in that in that uh, right? that series, yep. and we're oh, like definitely. Okay, I, I'm okay with something bad happens to her because she's awful. Um, 
and in the beginning, I think it's because he's so kind to the boy, you know, and he's trying to protect yes. him. I mean, That's that was really smart on the writer's part to mm-hmm. just make him, you know, his this boy's protector and put this boy in a situation that's horrible and have him be the mm-hmm. one that rescues him and go, yeah, okay, I guess I can forgive a lot of this other stuff because he's taking care of this kid and all the people that yes. he's hurting are off. And that's the thing with Dexter, too, is like all the people that Dexter was dealing with were awful people, um, right. people we so didn't like. like and mm-hmm. And I always said that the way that they started that show was brilliant, too, because he executes one of the most reprehensible types of people possible. And, you know, like, I'm not a parent, but I would think that as a parent, you see that situation, you're like, I kind of get where you're coming from, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they set it up where, I mean, they they really made us feel again that that empathy for Dexter and and also Dexter has like that we we find out his backstory about you know his mother was murdered in front of him and all that so it's the same kind of thing with you where it's just like with the boy and and you're like oh he's a good guy and and you know he's and and they set up a backstory for him too that he had a tough childhood and he was abused and and so they really play on all those things and then you find yourself rooting for rooting for the bad guy and it's fun it's kind of fun but at the same time it's like you know i don't want women watching it going like oh there's prince charming (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah i mean it's interesting we have a lot of those anti-heroes now i mean you can you know walter Mm -hmm. white's the same way um but it's it's interesting when we can we can find the the bad guy compelling and can kind of see the rationale behind what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and Joe is a very interesting character. In, in fact, there was a point and I don't know whether this is just me or whether other people had this, but there was a point in the show where I'm like, I wonder if she's just as bad as him because we're not really seeing her perspective. Yeah. yeah. And then they, you get that one episode. They yeah. sort of make you think that, you know, maybe she's a bad person and, and, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe she's manipulating this whole situation too. Because, and then you get the one episode where it's like kind of from her perspective, and you're like, "That's interesting that they've now they're now showing it from her perspective." And then they switch it back, yeah. of course, to Joe. Yeah. I mean, I and I was shocked at the ending. I didn't, you know, a lot of people told me to read the book, and and I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't read the book, so I, I I would be kind of curious to go back and read it and see how it compares, but. Um, I'm very curious to watch season two, though, and and see how we feel about Joe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always interesting when you have. I mean, that's always one of the fun things about writing a character in first person, where you're, where you know, it's like Patrick Bateman and um, um, American Psycho. Yes, American Psycho. You know, when you get you're getting from their perspective. You know, it's uh, Interview with the Vampire was like that too. You know, you you, you would. I read it backwards. I read the Vampire Lestat first, and then I read. Interview oh. with the Vampire. So whenever I read uh, Interview with the Vampire, I, I hated Louis. I was like, this guy's just a whiner because I, <laughs> I read Lestat first. And, and so I had this relationship with Lestat. And right, exactly. It, it's a fun thing when you write, you know, from a first person type of perspective, because you get that intimate connection with the character. And mm-hmm. most of the people that we interact with, we like or get along with. Um, and when you have that close intimate relationship and they pull that switch on you and that person does something bad, you're like, wait a minute, we're friends. Why, why did you do this? Yeah. It's crazy. No, that's, that's, a, I like how you say relationship because it, it really is. It, it is, it feels like you're building that relationship with someone and, and 
and it is it's fun. I I find it really fun when when they subvert your expectations and you're like, wait a minute, what? So that <laughs> you is a great example of that. Yeah. Well, hey, I really thank you for taking the time on a Sunday uh, to sit down and chat, and uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing what you create for the anthology. And obviously, I'm looking forward to the books coming out. One is what the end of this month, and the other one is. Mm-hmm. October. October. So, yep, got some time on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. So, I I just and I love hearing my stories um in the Wicked Library and the Lift. So, it was uh, quite a treat. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.